Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Who said that? Who the f said that? Is it Tommy F? Phone's for you. I think it's the devil. Who are these f***ing guys? Is it Tommy F? We'll go to the loony bin together. It's a lot of nonsense. A little nonsense now and then is relished by the wisest man. You know what time it is. Another episode of the Total BS Podcast. Justin, what's cracking? Man, I'm so... It's kind of bittersweet, okay? I'm, I'm a little sad, but I'm really excited. I'm sad because this weekend was the last live episodes of The Last Dance, but I'm also excited because in this episode of the Total BS Podcast, we are doing a Last Dance Palooza. We have a lot of guests to, to talk with, and we're going to talk all Last Dance in the Total BS Podcast. Let's get it. For sure, let's get into it. Your fans just might turn into our fans. Be cool, it's just part of the program. Spit your best 16 if you must. You're not whack, you just sound whack rapping after us. Yo, your fans just might turn into our fans. Be cool, it's just a part of this program. Spit your best 16 if you must. You're not whack, you just sound whack rapping after us. MC squared. There we go. We ran it last week. I love it. It's uh, it's one of my favorites that we've ever tried to create or, or put together. So, uh, hey, tell the people where they can find us, Justin. The Total BS Podcast is everywhere. We are on YouTube. So if you want to get the full production, you want to watch the whole show, watch our clips, watch our interviews and our guests, then you need to check us out on YouTube. All, we're also on Facebook Live. But be sure to subscribe to the Total BS Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We are everywhere, my man. And also, uh, we got a little bit of breaking news. Uh, Justin and I had a little discussion today, and we decided that we are going to drop a podcast every Wednesday as well. Just just a podcast, no uh, live stream or video or anything like that. So uh, it gives you an opportunity to not have to sit here and watch us you know, once a week, which is kind of nice, I think, for some people. Mm. But, you know, during these times... You're going to be home a lot. You're going to be doing a lot of different activities. You know, let us let us talk you through it. Let us be, you know, the voices that talk about sports and pop culture while you go through the day-to-day activities during the quarantine period. So hey, least, I'm, I'm least, excited to add another episode. At least here in Arizona, the, the gyms are opening back up. So, uh, you know, maybe you can just throw on it uh, while you do your little run or workout. Uh, you don't want – I guarantee you don't want workout advice from myself or Justin. So no, we won't definitely, go down Definitely not. Definitely so, not. Uh, the the last dance came to an end tonight. There's a there's a mixed bag of feelings within myself. I know uh, I know you uh, were very much looking forward to this uh, this series, and, and now it's come to an end. Your just your general thoughts on the last two episodes, without going into too much detail. First of all, I didn't know Michael Jordan was nicknamed Black Jesus. This is something <laughs> that that I learned watching episode nine when him and Reggie Miller were going back and forth. And Michael Jordan told, told Reggie Miller, don't talk trash to black Jesus. You, you just don't do that. To see that exchange with, with Reggie Miller and Michael Jordan, I thought was so great. And honestly, I thought my favorite part in Saul, you know this, us being out here in Arizona, we have a, a special place in our heart for a guy like Steve Kerr. Yeah. And for, for them to really give him some screen time and go into the background of Steve, Steve Kerr and how his father uh, was assassinated, it really goes to show 
why Steve Kerr is who he is today, why he's one of the more outspoken coaches in the NBA today, whether it comes to things going on inside the game or in the political world, which I thought was really awesome to see in the last dance. But for you know that part and then to see everything all wrap up, the whole Michael Jordan era come to an end, I, I, it was just such a great time to sit down and watch this. And Saul, I know you – you know, watching it live and and re uh, watching it during this podcast, I'm sure it brought back a lot of memories to you. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. You know, I, I think one of the things that I know we'll get into down the, here in the next hour, um, as as Corey Williams and Jabari Davis and Paige uh, will will show will will talk about with us um, is just the fact that uh, I wish they would have spoken more about Ron Harper. Uh, Ron really Harper. Had some, he had a vital role on that second three peat, and the fact that she just that that they just didn't talk much about him outside of like the very first few episodes when he he had talked about guarding Jordan when they when he played for the Cavs, I was kind of surprised they kind of just shoved Ron Harper to the side and and that was that you know because as far as role players goes, he was just as vital as Steve Kerr, if not more, because of the defense and the ability to bring the ball up the court. As you could see, I mean that team was wearing down towards yeah. the end and they needed every little bit of help they could get just to get over the hump. And, and, you know, I was kind of surprised that they didn't do that. Also, so how, t- how tall is Ron Harper, by the way? I, th- I want to say he's about six, five, six, four, maybe which, even six, six, which I thought was beneficial for the bulls against the Utah jazz, because you have that big body against John Stockton, which really helped them out in that series. But man, uh, you know, just to, just to see those, those battles, I, th- I thought, <laughs> was so great. And can we just talk about how great those Utah Jazz uniforms were back in that day? You mean trash? How trash those uniforms were? Those uniforms are amazing. <laughs> with the, with the mountains and it's purple uniforms unlike any other team. Yeah. Well, yeah, I I thought it was a good way to to wrap it up. I would have liked to have seen a little bit of the after, like what what for those I like how they took us from like the known to the unknown. Everybody knows what happened in 98 and that the George, uh, that the Bulls won six championships and all that stuff. And I liked how they took us to the unknown. You know, a lot of people don't know about 84, 85, 86 and the and the rise of Michael Jordan and how great he really was and the obstacles he had to go through. I like how they did that. I wish they would have done the same moving forward because I think people just forget what had happened. They forget that Pippen went to the Trailblazers. They forget he ended up even, I think, even going to the Rockets with Barkley, and they thought they were going to win a championship. Then they got upset. Um, you know, it, it's just a lot of different moving parts all over the place. I, I really wish they would have gone into that a little bit more. Uh, you know, where Steve Kerr ended up going. I mean, hell, Steve Kerr almost single-handedly won uh, the Spurs a championship uh, when they got to the Western Conference Finals against the Dallas Mavericks by hitting like five threes and really saving that series for them. I, I, it's just a lot of moving parts that I really wish they would have put together at the end. But uh, that being said, this was probably one of the all-time great sports documentaries I've ever watched. Yeah. Um, I know When We Were Kings, which is a Muhammad Ali documentary, is probably my favorite of all time. But uh, this one ranks right up there. Yeah, I also think, too, I give the the producers and everybody involved in this documentary the kind of the benefit of the doubt here because – they ESPN released this before they were actually supposed to release it. Remember the original release date was set in June and then you get Richard Jefferson and LeBron and everybody in the NBA community sitting there's like 
hey, we, you need to release this right now. Sport, there are no live sports going on in the world right now. We need this documentary. So they said, you know yeah. what? Christmas came early. Here's this documentary. We still need to finish the last couple of parts, but we're going to go ahead and release it anyway. So I give the ending and how they kind of, you know, briefly said in little bullet points, like this is what they did afterwards. I, I thought it was a nice way to wrap it up, but I totally get your point, Saul. But another thing that I was really intrigued by when I when I watched this was how they explained the flu game. Because this was one this was the big yep. question that I had going into tonight's episodes was, was how much in detail were they going to explain the flu game and how they explained it. They were looking for a bite to eat in Salt Lake City. Saul, you and I have worked in Salt Lake City before. Oh everything God. everything closes oh down at 9 o'clock. A Burger King closed down at 9.30. That place is the Salt worst City. place in the country <laughs> to get stuck, period. The fact that Michael Jordan couldn't find a pizza after like 8 o'clock at night, of course he couldn't. You, yes, do you know. know where you're at? This is the most ridiculous thing in the history of civilization that places shut down at 8 o'clock at night. I hate Salt Lake City so damn much. I don't know if it, anybody watching, anybody watching from Salt Lake City, I don't care. I hate your city, period. It's the worst place on earth. Oh, man. Oh, Salt Lake City. Oh, man, bless bless the SLC. But People, people um, from Salt Lake City are probably just saying, oh, well, you're a sinner. That's why. Well, whatever. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but the but going back to the the pizza so michael jordan finds this pizza and then his trainer opens up the door and there's five guys delivering the pizza and he said in the documentary that was a little suspicious the fact that it, the pizza company sent out five guys to deliver one pizza to one michael jordan so why, if you were so suspicious, why do you give Michael Jordan the pizza? And, you know, I, I was sat there and thought about it, so I want to get your take on this. You know, there, there aren't any food options in Salt Lake City, so maybe they thought that was the only option they had, okay? You, eat, you either eat the suspicious pizza and risk po possibly getting sick, or you don't eat, and then you're just hungry, and what's going to happen to you afterwards? I you mean know, so... So it's but but if you're that if you're, you're Michael Jordan, you can find any food anywhere wherever you are at. So that's why I I, I found that kind of suspicious that it turned into the food poisoning game instead of the flu game. Uh, Danielle Fork likes my comment about Salt Lake City because she knows she knows, she knows. How awful that place. Actually, she does not know actually because she skipped out on that trip and just met us in San Jose the next weekend for the tournament. Whatever, Danielle, uh, we see you. <laughs> so uh, as we're waiting for one more guest to show up, we got our we got our round table in the in the bullpen ready to come out. Uh, but before we get to that. Uh, one last little nugget about this this series, and you mentioned it earlier with Steve Kerr. It was my absolute favorite part of this this two part uh, finale. And uh, Steve Kerr, I mean, for those of you who don't know, obviously Justin and I are really close uh, to the University of Arizona. It, it's it's close to our hearts. But uh, Steve Kerr, I met him one time back in 1993, actually with one of our guests that's on today, Corey Williams. Uh, I actually met both these gentlemen. Uh, doing a sporting chance basketball tournament way back in the day. And Corey was actually coming through and I just knew that he played for the U of A basketball team. I was like, Oh, it's Corey Williams. And then they had shut um, a tarp off. This is the old bear down gym. And there's like, uh, if, for those of you who don't know, uh, if you ever watch revenge of the nerds, when they all get stuck in the gym, that gym, 
that was Bear Down Jim. And Steve Kerr was all the way up on the other side of the court because he was going to hand out championship trophies. And that was the first time I ever got to meet Steve Kerr. And I went over there on that side and I looked at him and he was just doing a shooting workout and he had no shirt on. You know, he's like, I think at this time, maybe like 25, 26 years old. Um, and he's just draining three after three after three. Um, and I shared a few words with him and I was just like, I was, I was marveled at his size. He was, he was not a big guy, very tiny. He seemed like he was maybe a hundred pounds, uh, but could just shoot the lights out. And he was like the nicest dude you could ever meet. And what you see with Steve Kerr in real life uh, on TV is really what you get uh, because he's just as genuine a person as, as you could hope to meet. But with that being said, we got a round table to get to, right? I'm excited. Hell we have, yeah. we have so, some interesting guests to talk to. We do. We do. So I'm going to introduce these guys uh, and ladies. Uh, we're going to do this Chicago style kind of, you know, I mean, I don't have the music, but I wish I did. But, uh, you know, first we got a, a man uh, who comes to us, a longtime NBA writer and uh, the host of the Dunks and Discourse podcast. My man Jabari Davis is in the house. What's up, Jabari? Hey, guys. I appreciate you having me. Of course. Of course. And next up. We have from ESPN, a longtime friend of both of ours, Justin, uh, college basketball insider or whatever you want to call him. He's, a, he's one of the best analysts out there in the country. Uh, Final Four participant. I'm going to just keep hyping him up because I can see him off screen kind of like rolling his eyes. Mr. Corey <laughs> Williams from ESPN is joining us. What's up, Corey? What's happening? What's happening? How you doing? Good, good. And then finally, the COO of the Draft Network, a longtime Chicago, I'm going to say diehard. Uh, I think she's a native, but I just know that she loves all things Chicago. Uh, Miss Paige Demakos is here. How you doing, Paige? What's up, guys? Uh, I am a Chicago native. I don't live there anymore, but I grew up there, born and raised. And so I now I got I got smarter and moved to the warm weather, and now I live in Scottsdale. There you go. Corey Williams is also uh, a Chicago native as well. So we got a lot of Chicagoans in the house. And uh, we're going to start this roundtable off right. Uh, first of all, uh, let's start with you, Paige. What was your first impression once the end credits hit of the entire documentary as a whole? Um, it's rare in sports and entertainment when something has so much hype that it lives up to the hype, right? There's what well, I think about movies, television shows, finales, uh, things that happen. I think most recently Game of Thrones and how many people were disappointed and how the last season ended. This was everything that I expected it to be and more. Um, and, and that's coming from somebody who's watched all the games, seen all the series, grew up around this team, like made a sign that, you know, talk smack to Carl Malone when I was a little kid, you know, these were, these were things that I grew up around and it to relive it and watch it the way that it was. And, you know, good luck making a documentary after this. That's all I have to say. Cause man, oh man, this was, it just, it, it, and on top of that, I think as sports fans, we're all um, kind of hardwired to, sit with each other and watch sports together. And because we haven't been able to do that in a while, it's just felt really good on Sundays to hop on Twitter and be talking sports with all my friends. And I think that's added a collective layer of just kind of added bonus to this whole thing. So I was blown away and I was expected to be excited, but not leave the way that I am. So I was everything I hoped for and more. 
Awesome. Awesome. Corey, you lived it, man. I, I mean, you, you were there in the rise of Michael. Uh, I'm sure he had a little bit of inspiration to your game as you were coming up as a, a young man at Batavia High School out in Illinois. Uh, what was your experience like watching this documentary uh, as a whole, especially the early parts that that you remember kind of watching in real life? Well, that was for me the key. It was like, you know, I remember watching WGN. I remember watching Bulls games, like all the games, not just the ones that made, you know, the national games on the weekends. I was watching all the games all the time. I remember when Jordan got drafted, uh, we were playing pickup ball. And they're like, oh, my God, the Bulls just drafted Michael Jordan. And, like, everybody just started jumping up and down. We were, like, super excited because when you lived in Chicago, the Bulls were your identity as a person. Like, you could play basketball, and if that was your team, you know, as far as the back and forth on the playgrounds, it's like, yo, I'm from Chicago area, Chicago Bulls all day long. And of course, you had the Pistons, you had the Celtics, you had the Lakers, you had all these great teams. But he literally gave that entire area a sense of pride. And uh, that's what I remember as a kid. You know, I was born in 74, so I'm 10, 11 years old, just falling in love with basketball when we draft Jordan. So, uh, you know, long before you were yelling out Kobe on your fadeaway, you were yelling out Jordan on game point down at the park. That was just Justin. Let's be clear about that. Probably Justin and, <laughs> probably Justin and Jabari for sure. And, you know, that's the other thing I was thinking when I'm watching the documentary is, like, I hope my nephews are watching so we can kill this GOAT debate because – Thank you. Thank you very much. I mean, Thank you, Corey. Yes. Thank you. It, here's the thing. Basketball is a fraternity, and it's a massive fraternity. And I think a lot of people, I don't fault the Kobe and LeBron fans because they're looking at a 10 or 15 year history of the game. That's all their lifespan has allowed them to see. They sit down with someone like me and I'm not ashamed to say I've been watching basketball for almost 35, 40 years. I've got friends that have been watching it for 50 or 60. So it's kind of like taking a college class with somebody who's only done 100 level courses. And they're sitting there. <laughs> telling you about the history of the United States beginning in 1900. And you're like, oh, hold on. Man. I'm going to use this, Corey. This yes. is fantastic. Yes. So, so tonight, when you sit down with your fellow, your fellow basketball colleagues, you say, did you see the level 200 courts on Jordan? The, the, the Sunday night documentary that brought you up to speed on a bigger picture of why our generation looks the way we look at it. Yes, I thought sir. it was well done. Well done. Jabari, you and I, we're both diehard Laker fans. So I know you, you know, loving Showtime, you kind of hated Michael Jordan growing up. Yeah, so I was going to say, I'm going to be the, the polar opposite of these guys. But the thing, about <laughs> Jordan, the thing about Jordan that was so incredible is I hated him straight up. I hated, I hated watching him, except for when he played Utah. Hated watching him, hated everything about him. But it was, it, it was, it was absolutely hating like it, you were scared of him. You, you knew what was coming back, you know, whether it was he was going to get you by halftime or get you by the end of the third or get you at the end of the game. You knew he was going to get you. So for me personally, even though I hated him at the time, I loved this doc because it allowed me to you know kind of step outside of all of that, you know, juvenile hate at the time. And then recognize, man, this guy really was the greatest thing to ever pick up one of these things. Now, no disrespect to you know Kareem or anybody else's, you know, goat for me, even though I love Kobe. And he may be, you know, alongside Magic and Cap, my favorite, you know, favorite to do it. Mike's the GOAT. So it, it was just great to see. Yeah, I mean, we had, there's a lot of, a lot to unfold here. And we can't get to everything in the in the next 20 minutes. But uh, there was a lot of high points 
Dennis Rodman, you know, in the series was was a very high point. Uh, Jordan's competitiveness, obviously, especially at the end of seven, how he just he just wrapped up episode seven. Uh, for you guys, what what were some of the high points for you? Starting, let's start with you, Corey. Just one of the high points for me was um, listening and, and seeing how he was as other person. A lot, I think, a lot of times he was scared about when this aired, he was going to be viewed as a bad guy. The language, the way he talked to his guys. And I think at the same time, you heard out of their mouths how uncomfortable they were, but in the same breath, how he was responsible for their success. I don't think Belichick is the friendliest guy in the world, but look at his jewelry. Jordan, probably not somebody you'd want to go on vacation with. Look at his jewelry. There are, there are people like that in every organization. Doesn't matter if you're in business, doesn't, if you're in sports, there's somebody in your organization that wants to win and they'll make it uncomfortable for everybody who's not bringing it. And to hear how he talked and dealt with his teammates, it's a certain type of teammate that can play with a guy like that. So for me, that was what I liked to, to, to see about that side of Michael Jordan. A lot of, a lot of banter on Twitter tonight about that, uh, especially when it comes to pettiness maybe uh you know somebody sneezed the wrong way during a free throw yeah oh that guy right there that kind of thing uh, Paige, do you agree with Corey? uh what do you think of the level of i'm gonna say pettiness because i can't think of another word even though the guy I had, a <laughs> he had a list he had a list <laughs> <laughs> how long was this man's list listen uh, yeah yeah it's a listen i think there's a certain level of competitiveness right that that exists if you play professional sports and then there's a certain level of competitiveness that exists when you're a leader on one of those teams. And then there's Michael. And I think that's why this documentary for me was so important for, I was born in 89. So I'm not as, I don't remember everything like Corey does, but I remember like 97, 98 was like prime growing up. Like for me, like I was just becoming a sports fan. So for me, hearing my younger cousins talk to me about LeBron all the time, this was the mental aspect that Jordan had that nobody else has is what I wanted them to see. And I think the documentary did such a good job of showing that although it could come across as whatever you want to call it, pettiness, overly competitive, he's a jerk, whatever, guess what? They all reap the benefits. And I'm quite sure that if you talk to Steve Kerr or any of these guys, they're not, they would take the punch in the face or the talking smack over here to get all the rings. Cause they don't care. At the end of the day, they all got paid more. They got appearances, they got the notoriety, they got the fame. None of that happens without Michael. So you reap all the benefits because of who he was and what they were along for the ride for. And I think that's what I wanted kind of everybody to see because if you talk to anybody in the NBA, they all have a Michael story, right? Like Gary Payton has a Michael story and Reggie, like they all have this, I was talking smack to Michael and then he dropped 50 on me. Like everybody has that story. And that's what I was trying to explain to my younger cousins is like, I'm not talking about Joe Schmoes. I'm talking about Reggie Miller and Gary Payton. These are the dudes he was punking on. Not not average guys, Hall of Famers. Those are the yeah. guys that he was punking on. And that's that's what I wanted people to understand. And they did a great job. Well, I thought the one stat that was very interesting, you know, because when it goes to commercial break, it does like the trivia question. I had no idea how many 60-win teams Michael Jordan eliminated from the playoffs. I, I said eight right off the bat, and it was seven, which is, damn, that's pretty remarkable. That is. 
I mean, but again, people talk about Michael Jordan and the legacy from the 90s. They make it seem like it was easy for him along the way in the playoffs where in the East at that time, it, it wasn't a walk in the park. But I mean, Jabari, you could speak to this, the Lakers with the Shaq and Kobe era and how how just a mess it was off the court. But on the court, it worked like butter, right? It was just it was yeah. it was it was smooth. And I think that was the the mirage that the Bulls gave the public is this is easy or this, you know, we have the best player on the planet. And at the at the time, the Lakers did with Shaq and Kobe um, later on. Uh, Jabari, what was your perspective on all this and what was your highlight of, of the entire doc? So like both Paige and Corey, I appreciated that they show all the petty stuff. I, I, I love all that stuff. You know what I mean? Um, I love the stories. I, lo- I love them. I love them explaining some of the folklore that we've always kind of heard about, uh, you know, or, or a little bit about. But for me, it was more of the, the humanizing you know, aspect of them. The fact that they showed just how significant his relationship is with you know, was with his father. The fact that they explained what that's you know what that scene actually meant when he was on the ground after mm-hmm. that you know after they finally won when he came back and you know what I mean like we we've all seen that we've already all seen that picture plenty of times we may have even seen the video and even though I lived through it and I, and obviously Corey lived through it and and and, I, and I'm pretty sure you did as well so it's you it, placing context on that moment it just means the most so I you know I love all of it you know it, it's one of the greatest sports documentaries that I've ever seen it's it, you know for me it's you know OJ made America in this you know you know right there uh it's one of those things that I'll I'll definitely go back and watch and it's and I can absolutely see myself going like oh I missed that the first time or I didn't I didn't quite recognize you know, w- you know what was going on you know what was going on along the way so yeah it, it it's just it's art so Corey, go ahead, Corey. I know I, I see I see you just itching. Go ahead. <laughs> it was just something else that I wanted to point out. And on a personal level, the level of grown man stuff that was yes. going on in this documentary. Like yes, sir. I hate you, but then I'm gonna find you in the tunnel after the game and be yeah. like, you tell your wife I said hello. Yeah. Like you're throwing elbows, you know, you're talking trash. We're going at it like warriors, and then the fact that these guys were in the middle of the finals and they're playing golf with each other the day before the game. I mean, today, today's NBA, these guys make a comment about somebody's pregame outfit and it's a Twitter beef and they do a drama. It's like, no, um, they're out here saying that my gambling got my father killed and I got to go play with that. And so the, the level of maturity when Carl Malone comes on the bus to dap you up, that doesn't happen anymore in sports. A lot of guys are sensitive. They can't separate the battle from, from, from real life. Yeah. And to see in the 90s how, yeah, they went to war, but they respected each other as men and were civil. Larry Bird getting knocked out of the playoffs in a game seven, finds Jordan. <laughs> and it's like they're homies. And I'm like, that doesn't happen anymore. Oh, I don't know if that quote was really homie-ish. Well, it's, <laughs> oh, that was Mike's <laughs> version of homie. That's what that's Mike did. That's true. That's true. That's true. You see how Mike talks about his kids? <laughs> F them kids. <laughs> oh, oh man, for sure, for sure. I mean, there was a lot, a lot of moments. Um, Dennis Rodman. Okay, we we got to talk about Dennis, man. I thought we were done with Dennis in episodes three and four, but then my man came back with a vengeance, going to WCW, <laughs> and uh, was it Tuesday Night Nitro or something like that? And, yes. Uh, my goodness, somebody had put on Twitter, I think Rob Perez said, my man, <laughs> my man went 
from a game to a wrestling event, came back, won another game, and then went out with Carmen Electra. Nobody's ever going to have a hot streak like that ever again. I mean, <laughs> Dennis Rodman. In, in one word, what was your biggest takeaway from Dennis Rodman? We'll start with you, Jabari. Enigma? <laughs> like, there, there's no one, there's no single word that you can you know, describe or explain Dennis Rodman with. For sure. For sure. For sure. How about you, Corey? I mean, he wasn't a basketball player. He was just this dude that was good at basketball. Because if he, if you looked at the way he set up his life, it was always balanced. It's like, I'm going to party till 4 a.m. Then I'm going to come shut down Carl Malone. Then I'm going to go do this. Then I'm going to come back and defend this guy and get 17, 20 rebounds and a half. Like, he just happened to be a basketball player. But at the end of the day, when I saw him leave and do the little WWF thing, I'm thinking, he's a guy who puts pressure on himself to perform. Do you know what people were going to say if you play a bad game following something like that? So here's a guy who says, this is what I do. I'm going to go. And yes, that's something he did last second. He goes, he does it, and then he shows up and defends Carl Malone in the NBA Finals. And, well, and, and, and Michael Jordan said it, I believe it was in episode three, when they talked about Dennis Rodman's 48-hour vacation in Las Vegas that ended up being a little bit longer than 48 hours, and it gets him out of bed. But, you know, they were always worried, you know, is the parting, is all of the off-the-court things, is that going to affect his game? And Michael Jordan realized when they did the, the Indian drills – when they were running around the court for all this time, and it took them a long time just to keep up, keep up with Dennis Rodman. That's when Michael Jordan realized, you know, Dennis Rodman, he's going to be a wild guy off the court, but he's always going to be on point on the court, and that's what made him so great. You know, it's so funny is, uh, and I'll get to you in a, in a second page, but the correlation between Michael Jordan and Gary Payton. And then you go from Rodman and Malone, and I just want to put it in perspective. You know, everybody, Gary Payton was sitting there talking about how, you know, it, it had I matched it with Michael a little bit earlier in the series, maybe it would have been different and blah, 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 because I was being physical with them and blah, blah, blah. That's the difference between Michael Jordan and Carl Malone, because Dennis was giving him the same business. And Carl was still effective, but he wasn't effective enough to beat the greatest player of all time. And that's what I th- I thought when that microcosm kind of showed itself, I was like, huh. and, and then, I mean, we got we got to talk about the cutaways, the Michael Jordan cutaways. I love when Michael Jordan is watching somebody else talk shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. And then he just laughs. <laughs> it just goes crazy. Paige, what was your favorite? <laughs> um, that was uh those were my highlights. Like as far as I I I stole Corey's or I just went off of Corey's highlight because that was the competitiveness was my favorite part. But as far as like the non-basketball related parts of this. Uh, there is nothing better. Like I never thought the crying Jordan meme would go away, but it might actually be retired because there are so many memes now that have been made of Michael laughing and making fun of people. And I think that when I think of the maniacal, crazy version of Jordan, I think of him in that moment where Gary Payton is trying to tell us that he actually could have shut down Michael for a seven-game series. And Michael's reaction was exactly what I wanted it to be and more. It was just – there. there's like eight different <laughs> screenshots from that two-second moment that's that are fantastic, right? I mean, it's just yeah. him just absolutely – making a mockery of Gary Payton on national television on a huge documentary was that was just over the top for me. So all those moments, um, but the the painful one, as I'm sure Corey can probably 
uh, feel this as well as a, being a Bulls guy. Watching Michael react to Jerry Reinsdorf talking was like vomit inducing for me because I'm feeling exactly what Michael's feeling, right? I'm going, you're so full of it, Reinsdorf. Corey, squirming like, over there in the chair. So full of it. And I just losing my mind on the couch, just so pissed off. So that was the the high to the low, like great moment, but also probably Wait. the most like knife knife moment for me was so, that moment. So so question for Paige and, and Corey, the Chicago wins. When you heard Reinsdorf's comments, did you realize, man, maybe Jerry Krause wasn't a bad guy after all? No, no. I mean, Krause Krause was that. And see, you didn't. You're not an '80s baby. Mm, mm. All right, we're about to get into it now. All right, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, feeling, the feeling in my area, Krause was that punk ass high school principal in like every yeah. '80s teen movie. The yeah. one that wouldn't let nobody have any fun, like the '80s movie where the, the principal's a jerk. That's how Jerry Krause is looked at in Chicago. Like he's necessary because he's the principal, but he won't let us do it our way. He's just. But Reinsdorf is the district superintendent. Reinsdorf wasn't doing quotes all the time. It was it was Kraus in the paper doing quotes and, and constantly making statements. Reinsdorf, everybody knew he ran the show, but he kept a better profile. And when you got- kept Scotty Pippen on a seven-year deal for $18 million and talking about Dude, well, that's Scotty's agent's gotta have a conversation, Come bro. On, like man. you can't be signing that contract. When, like when like that's, when, that's with you, bad. Page. That's so bad. When you hear Scottie Pippen say out of his own mouth that I didn't bet on myself, he was a poor kid from Arkansas. There was more money than he ever saw in life. He figured longevity, taking care of the family, who knew he'd be an NBA megastar. So he didn't bet on himself where, you know, Jordan started signing one-year deals. I know who I am. I know what I'm worth. Pip took the money. And in the grown man world, you can't just rewrite a contract unless you're Ezekiel Elliott. You just can't rewrite a contract because you feel like it. <laughs> no, and that hurts that and, hurts the soul, Corey. That hurts the soul right there, Dallas Cowboys yeah, fan. And you're talking about two very different Jerry's because Jerry Reinsdorf does not write checks like Jerry Jones does. Like you're talking about two completely different scenarios. Like exactly. could not be more opposite on the spectrums there. J- like Jabari, the, the cheapest dude in the world. So J- Jabari, I, I know you had uh, something you wanted to say there for a second. He's itching. So, yeah, you know, to, to Justin's point, like when I first started watching Doc, I thought, man, Jerry Krause isn't that bad. Why were they so mean to him? Because keep in mind, I'm watching it from the outside looking in. I didn't see all of these quotes. I didn't see all of his little his little squirmishes and all of that stuff. So as I'm watching it, Doc, I, I, obviously I knew, you know, they, they didn't get along and I knew that there was something up with Pippen but had no idea about all of the background. So when they start showing me all of the stuff, I'm like, well, my man did put together this team and he doesn't seem like that bad of a guy. But the longer we went, I was like, yeah, you know what? Jerry Krause is a, I did not say it, but Jerry Krause is exactly what they all say he is. It, it, and I'm not trying to speak ill of the dead, you know, or anything like that, but I get why <laughs> folks from you know, Chicago natives, especially folks that were in that organization might not have seen eye to eye with him. For sure. For sure. No, I totally get that. Um, <laughs> we have a lot of people commenting on Facebook right now. Uh, Scotty's agent told him not to sign it, but he signed it anyway, like you said. And uh, well, we move on. Now, for every high, we have a low. Paige just mentioned her low. Corey, what was your ultimate low in this series? You know, the low for me was when he lost his father. I mean, random violence. You're beyond an icon. 
and real life hits you in a way like that. And it's not that he just had to show up. He had to show up, be a star and show up and be an icon and show up and be a leader and be the face of the NBA. A young man and and anyone losing a parent is just, it's just crushing. But he had a certain level he had to return to mentally. And I just felt really bad for him at that point. I said, I don't know how many people could show up back to work a regular nine to five, let alone compete at that level. So that for me was very challenging. And I think it gets glossed over in the whole Jordan story. It's like, People take time off to grieve. People take a year. People do things. People change dramatically when you have losses like that. Yeah. But the world demanded so much of Michael Jordan. He was still able to deliver. I mean, there you know, people, lots of people lose, lose parents. But just for him to be that mentally tough, I, I thought that that was really impressive. So just- to, Corey's put, to Corey's point quickly, I think just from an embarrassment standpoint, I was embarrassed watching how the media handled that time frame. I think I wanted to speak on that because I can't imagine how sad it would be to lose a parent in that way in general, but then to have all the allegations and speculation and the reporting that was done around that, because I was young, I don't remember it. I don't remember seeing any of it. I was just, that was the, that was the low, the true low point, just from like a sadness perspective, sitting there going, I think something that happens in sports so often from fans and media is everyone forgets that you're talking about human beings when you're talking about athletes. And they think that this is just, you know, you have this shell that you're not going to feel these emotions. And I think this was a good reminder that, you know, you're talking about somebody who loved someone, right? And his love for his father was so strong that obviously, like you spoke about that moment where you see him and you hear him grieving after he wins that championship and the gravity of that moment I think was was so big and it was hopefully important for people to hear that it's just a reminder you're talking about human beings right yeah, and, yeah, and sure. I think sometimes that gets lost in the shuffle when when we're talking about athletes well, Justin, Paige, J- well I'm sorry Justin Justin Jabari real quick okay. uh you, you guys are in the well you guys used to be in the media Jabari used to work for USA Today uh Justin you still are the level of access that was given to not only this doc crew but also the relationships that you know Jordan even had with some of the media you know walking down the hallway like that would never happen today um it doesn't happen today uh what do you think about the access and the behind the scenes stuff that uh I mean geez if we could get that kind of stuff today that'd be amazing was Ahmad Rashad a, a reporter, or was he just like nah, Michael man. Jordan's was, best friend? That just he was his he was his media hype man, is what he was. Okay, but insane access, right? But I mean, but even the the other access, like the camera guys and the way Michael Jordan interacted with them, I, I mean, you wouldn't see anything like that today. I I don't know. Uh, what do you guys think, Jabari? Yeah, it, it, it would be rare. You'd have to be a luminary of that type of, you know, of that size. Like, uh, for instance, Kobe did it, uh, you know, the last couple of years that he was in L.A. And I'm very interested in seeing what that eventual documentary looks like. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. You're, you're not you're simply not going to see that. Um, and it, to your Ahmad, you know, Ahmad Rashad point, Corey, I'm sure you remember this. Saul, you should also as well. Do you remember after the games when he would go when he would uh, interview Mike and he would lead off with sheer will? You know, you know that was whack. You know that was whack. But every single time you'd be like looking into the camera, all mystified. Uh, the wackest. The wackest. 
Ahmad Rashad was straight <laughs> trash, bro. He was trash. He was Jordan's homeboy. He, they played mm-hmm. cards. They were family friends. And word was, the only reason he got the gig at NBC was Mike said, this is the only guy I will give a postgame to. Point blank. And if you go back and look at it, the majority of his interviews yeah. are with Ahmad Rashad. So, like, yo, this is my guy. I'm going to get my guy a job with a major network by simply saying he's the only guy I'm talking to postgame. And then that's the, go right, power. The, that's the, the go power, Corey. The softball questions were horrible. He was only <laughs> shocked from the beginning to the end. Now, keep in mind, Ahmad Rashad's wife is Claire Huxtable. Oh, yeah. Oh, you yeah. So the celebrityism is you look at Justin, you're learning. Yeah. See? I'm learning. <laughs> this is that 100 level. You didn't know that? Talk about. No. <laughs> you know, you got to learn the, the 360. So, oh, yeah, man. I agree with you 100%, Jabari. Just like Ahmad, the documentary, he's taking you from the known to the unknown, baby. Here we go. Ahmad <laughs> was not the best. Justin, uh, remind uh, me to send you a picture after this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love oh, it. Oh, my goodness. Justin, you were about to it. ask something before I interrupted you. No, I was, I was saying, going back to uh, Paige's point about, you know, how it, how it was a low point in journalism. That was a quote that was used in the documentary at that time. I was just so bothered by it because – these were columnists creating these stories. They were linking it to MJ's gambling without any hardcore evidence. And essentially in these stories, they were putting all of the blame on Michael Jordan. And like Paige said, I can't imagine being a person like Michael Jordan at that point in your career, you lose the most important man, male figure in your life and everybody's blaming you for it. Can you guys see these yeah. co- comments on the screen? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. But, just making sure. That's but funny. yeah, it, it, it's just there's one thing if you're a columnist and you're coming up with an opinion based on the facts that you already have, that's your job as a columnist. It is not your job as a columnist to just come up with these crazy conspiracy theories because that's what you think people are going to read. And you know what's crazy is this was during a time where clickbait wasn't even a, an expression. Yeah. I think that's why I thought it was so strange is because this wasn't like the Twitter world. This wasn't like NBA Twitter going off on some rant, right? Like this was like legitimate columnists that were going off of absolutely nothing. And I think that's why it was more embarrassing. And probably to you guys' point, like the access that happens and used to happen, like the reason that doesn't happen anymore is because athletes don't trust the media. Like there's that's the reason why, like there has to be a certain level of trust that exists well, with I, a, a I also I also I also think a lot of athletes blur the lines between social media and media as a general oh, like, very uh, true very you know true I mean? so, everyone does I think for the yeah. most part but I think that's I think that's why you know and a degree of as my father would say everybody's soft now right that gets thrown around quite often as well so I think there's to that degree I think for sure. yeah for sure but I think part of it is there's been so many things that have happened over time and this just proved it to me. If I was Michael Jordan and that happened, I would never talk to the media again. I'd be like, nope, I'm not talking to anybody. And I but, think he would have been totally justified in doing that because but, but, if I got treated like that, that's what I would do. But that goes yeah. back to his professionalism, like Corey mentioned yep. earlier, you know, understanding like who's really telling your story right now. Yes, we can see everything that's going on the screen, but there's a lot more to it behind the scenes. And if you treat the media right, for the most part, They'll treat you right. That's what's supposed to happen now. Obviously, things go a little haywire like they just did. Uh, but before we all uh, disband and go somewhere else, uh, I gotta, I gotta ask from each one of you: Who was the biggest villain in this entire documentary outside of possibly Jerry Krause? 
Um, I'll yeah. go. I'll go first. Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas. That's an easy one for me. <laughs> okay. I the the hatred for him is so strong. Like I, those were those were teams <laughs> that we were playing before I was alive, and then when I was you know an infant, and I can recall my dad sitting me down when I'm probably like right before the Utah Jazz year, probably like six or seven, and teaching me like I want to teach you about the team that Michael beat to get where we were. And I was like, okay, dad, like, this is going to be awesome. And so like watching all this again, I was like, man, I hate Isaiah. I hate that dude. Like, I was just like, just, just so strong and not even Isaiah, (laughs) just like the Pistons in general, just like everything that Detroit was and, and how big of a thing it was for Michael to get over that team. And then to watch that moment and see them not shake hands and then hear Larry and all these guys talking about how they all hated the Pistons. I was like, this is awesome. Like I, I love the villainy of the Pistons because it was like the bulls hated them, but so did everybody else. And they were the bad boys to, to, to magic hated them and Larry hated them. And like, it was like, nobody liked the Pistons. And so I was like, Oh, this is great. The hatred (laughs) lives everywhere. And so I think that was for me, the easy villain was the Pistons. Corey. Man, I hate, you know, I'm from the Chicago area, so I hate to do this to Zeke, but yeah, man, I can't rock with him. Like, he got up there, <laughs> he got up there with the fake crocodile. I fit the criteria to make the no, fam, you did it. <laughs> like, you up there talking about I fit the criteria, but Jordan didn't like you, Bird didn't like you, you were spreading rumors about magic, Carmel, like the whole team did not rock with you. So the, the story that Jordan banned you from the team, here's the thing. When the Lakers beat the Celtics, Celtics beat the Lakers, it is what it is. You guys went outside the confines of the game that Dr. Naismith created, and y'all started straight-up thuggery. Y'all was actually trying to hurt people. The fouls that were just in the documentary were flagrant twos. That was part of y'all approach to basketball. Y'all brought kung fu into basketball – and then walked off the court like some punks. No one liked you. So when you're building the dream team of the best athletes, everybody's got to score. You dominate the ball. So, of course, Stockton was the better fit for the dream team of a bunch of guys who didn't like you anyway. But now it's 2020, and you want to sit on the couch in your little blue suit talking about, I fit the criteria. But no, damn, miss me with that. And you, and, and you know what? The, I think the most so disrespectful good. thing Corey just said was Isaiah Thomas wearing fake crocodiles on TV. Got some Stacey Adams on over there, man. You really tried to make people feel sorry for him. And I'm like, no, I remember. Thank you. remember you jumped out of your own gym without shaking his hand. Y'all body slamming yeah. this dude all day long, and then when they finally beat you fair and square, the <laughs> you can't shake the man's hand? You ain't playing on the dream team, man, please. <laughs> Jabari. <laughs> I'm just here for Corey's passion, man. I'm not going to be crocking out here. No, because, I mean, it's like but. We, can't, we can't retell the story. Like, this is what I'm saying. If you were a worker at a company and you had all your coworkers together and most of them are all-time greats, the guys that worked alongside Jordan, you don't know anything about basketball, you go to the company, who's the best guy at the company? And 40 all-time greats say, that guy over there is the best guy we've ever worked with against point blank. 
That's why I don't think there'll ever be another documentary like this. Who can assemble 30 Hall of Famers that all say he's the best? Yeah. Isaiah didn't have that kind of pull. So I'm not trying to feel sorry for him right now. That's all. They, <laughs> Jabari, they don't love you like that, see? Hey, it says a lot about Zeke that a lot of Chicago players don't even like. They don't even. They just they go Mike, who's from North Carolina, because he's because he's disrespectful about Michael. That's at the end of the day, like we ride for you from Chicago. Like I ride for all the dudes that are from there. Like it's a pride thing. It's a different place when you grow up there and you play basketball. It's just different. But nobody nobody messes with Isaiah because of the way he talks about Mike. Like yeah. it's there's certain things you can't talk about, and that's one of them. And he <laughs> he talks about it too negatively, so he's he's out. He's not he's not involved in the Chicago circle no more. Sorry, Jabari. We're just gonna turn this into a total Chicago podcast. So I, I feel sorry, <laughs> man. No, Jabari, no, who's your biggest villain, man? <laughs> no, no, no worries at all. Now I feel obligated to share a Chicago story. See, I was born in Milwaukee, even though know, I grew up in LA. Went uh, and my people are down in, are still in Milwaukee. I went back probably like. 98 or so we went down and we played some pickup ball in, in chicago my pops will never play pickup ball again like never play pickup ball again after that so much, much respect to the ball much respect to the you know to the hoopers in chicago for me the the, 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 the biggest villain is easy like yes lambeer yes zeke you know in, in his little blue suit and all of that the villain the biggest villain is jordan and that's the beauty of it that's the beauty of it. He's an anti-hero in the same way as like Tony Soprano, in the same way as like that, you know, that we've grown accustomed to loving. All of the all of the rumors were true, not the stuff about the dad stuff, but all of the rumors were true. He was he was that big of a jerk. He would, you know, he was riding folks the way, you know, the way that everybody always thought he was. He was taking you know, disrespect from everything. You know, you saw as you know, as we said, somebody sneezing up upstairs, you know, in, in the upper deck. Oh, okay, now I now I gotta hurt him. Now I gotta hurt him. All my lips. That's what makes yeah. Mike's. Yeah, that's what makes Mike so incredible. <laughs> the fact that a guy, you know, born in Milwaukee, grew up in Los Angeles, hated his guts, loves everything about him. Justin, Mike. Oh man, I don't know how I can follow Jabari. That was that was just so great. I like that. But yeah, me too. But go ahead and try. But, Here we go. But, but let's go back to bashing the Pistons. I'm not going to go with Isaiah Thomas. I'm not going to bash his big crocodile, and I'm not going to bash his blue suit. I'm going to bash the guy that was in his ear the second they lost against the Chicago Bulls, and that is Bill Lambeer. He was the one who came up with the idea of not shaking their hands. He was the one who incited, look, screw these guys. We're going to walk off the court. And I thought that was very disrespectful, especially because Michael Jordan said – if you go back and look at the film from the years prior, they beat us. We shook their hands. We lost with class. Yeah, we're going to talk shit to them on the court, and we're going to get petty, and we're going and we're going to make this thing into kind of a bloodbath. But at the end of the day, we're going to shake hands and we're going to respect each other as opponents. And the Detroit Pistons, the bad boys, completely crossed that line. Bill Lambeer was the guy who incited all that. So I'm going with Bill Lambeer. Uh, the biggest L for me in this whole series what happened actually in the last episode with Brian Russell. I don't care what anybody says. I, you know how they try to sugarcoat. You know, well, you know he didn't mean it like that. Well, no, no. If, if Corey knows this too, if you go into a gym and you see like some football player that somebody said could hoop, like man, I wish you would have played because I would have, I would have busted your ass. Like that ain't that ain't really like yeah. I'm just joking. That's that's real. Like you should have come out here so I can show you what's up. And the fact that he, they tried to, you know, John Stockton of all people, like, well, he didn't mean it like that. No, get out of here. And then he got done up twice. 
And so, you know, well, if you're saying if you're saying biggest L, then I think Michael Jordan took the biggest L after a game in the hallway with the security guard with the with the great perm when they were throwing the quarters towards the ball, and then he beat him in quarters and then gave him the Michael Jordan shrug. And gave him the shrug. That's the only person in the history of mankind that, that Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. For sure, yeah. for sure. Well, hey, fellas, ladies, I appreciate your time uh, jumping on the podcast today. Again, Jabari Davis, uh, a longtime uh, NBA writer, and uh, on the Dunks and Discourse podcast, Corey Williams from ESPN, and then uh, Paige DeMalcos, thank you for joining us from uh, uh, the Draft Network. So uh, thank you, guys. Appreciate the roundtable, and we will uh, see you next time. So there we go. And uh, Justin, man, that was a, a nice way to wrap up the whole thing. It was uh, very interesting. A lot of different perspectives, Saul. <laughs> and I'm and I'm really I'm really glad we were able to get people who grew up in Chicago during that era. Because you know, we hear about the Chicago Bulls and what it means to people. You know, Saul, you grew up in Arizona. Michael Jordan means a whole lot to you because that was a player you looked up to. To hear Paige and Corey, two people who lived through it in Chicago. I thought yeah. that was great. And here Jabari also lived through it as someone who hated Michael Jordan. Yeah. It, it, it was a special podcast. I'm glad we got those everybody. For on. sure. For sure. For sure. And uh, uh, they're still hanging on and, and we're going to get to them after we, we close shop here. But uh, uh, Justin, tell people one more time where they can find us. Total BS podcast. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Also be sure to subscribe to Total BS podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, once again, we will have another podcast for you dropping on Wednesday. And uh, so stay tuned for that. Ashley Shahamadi from the uh, from Fox Sports South. Uh, she is uh, she covers the Hornets and she is going to uh, give us her thoughts on uh, wrapping up this last chance documentary as well. So that'll be on Wednesday. But uh, in the meantime, we'll see you when we see you. Peace. Your fans just might turn into our fans. Be cool, it's just part of the program. Spit your best 16 if you must. You're not whack, you just sound whack rapping after us. Yo, your fans just might turn into our fans. Be cool, it's just a part of this program. Spit your best 16 if you must. You not whack, you just sound whack rapping after us. <laughs>